Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Title Side, Chicago Title, Oklahoma's podcast. My co-host and mentor, Ken McBride. How are you doing today, Ken? Doing great, David. How are you? Man, I am blessed. I am blessed in this year of 2020 that's brought us some uh, some challenges, some rewards, and you know, ultimately, it's it's brought us to where we are today, and uh, it's in a pretty good position. Uh, I'm proud to say that we've got Pat Bates with us today of Nichols Hills Property. How are you doing, Pat? Good. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Oh, I, I, I've, I thought about you when we, Ken and I, talked about putting this podcast together and really put down a list of paper of, of the names and people that we want to get on. And I am so excited to hear your story because you're very unique to the real estate industry and your background. Tell us kind of what got you to where you are today with Nichols Hills Properties. Well, it's been quite a journey. Um, It's been my second profession now. I was a professional golfer for a long time, for 17 years, and had always been interested in real estate on our own personal side. My wife, Christine, is now a designer, interior designer, home designer. Um, But we did it for ourselves many, many years. and remodeling homes and things. I'm and, from and beautiful ones. I'm I've, I've seen <laughs> them you. and they are amazing. I grew up in Boca Raton, Florida. So um, we started down there. We're, we got married in '97, and then uh, we lived there maybe seven or eight years, and then we moved here to Oklahoma in 2005. And so that was um, quite a change. But uh, we loved the people here, and we got settled in in Nichols Hills. And lived there. We've lived there for a long time, and I've always loved the neighborhood. And you know, maybe uh, you know, six or seven years ago, we started um, you know getting into it, into the real estate business uh, more and more as investors in the uh, the first time around. And so, we would uh, either buy old homes and fix them up, or you know, tear some down and uh, and build new. And so, we had business partners and. Um, I was always interested in real estate. And so when we started doing that, it made a lot of sense for me to get my real estate license. And so um, we went ahead and did that. And then recently started Nichols Hills Properties, which obviously we know Nichols Hills has been around for a long time, but uh, I live there and love it there and uh, just wanted to do most of my work in the neighborhood and be an expert there. And so um, started that a few few years ago. And, and this uh, this next year, I'll be uh, launching my website, NicholsHillsProperties.com. So um, I just love it. And I I liked it because I did it uh, personally for a long time. And so I take that and and um, and use that for my clients because I, I don't want to be someone who just does it for the business side. I want to be able to help people uh, the way I would want to be helped. And so, um, so it's been exciting and to have a knowledge of the construction business, remodels and new construction, and to be able to help clients try to create equity and try to help them sell at the highest as well. Um, so uh, just the knowledge of the of that business uh, and the construction side has helped quite a bit. You do a good job. <laughs> Pat, we are delighted to have you with us today and, and delighted to hear about you getting into the real estate career. But uh, tell us a little bit about your golf career. Yeah, it was... Um, it was exciting for a good many years. Um, originally, I'm from Boston. My dad worked for IBM. And so I started caddying at a local golf course. Um, I had uh, two older brothers, and they took me with them when I was about nine and 10 years old. And so um, we're obviously big fans of the movie Caddyshack because we kind of lived <laughs> it as kids. Um, 
but that got us interested. I, I liked baseball as well as a kid growing up in, in, in Boston. I wanted to play for the Red Sox when I was young. And so um, golf was kind of something I started when I was about 10, but I, I started playing baseball when I could basically walk and um, moved to Florida when I was 11. Um, my dad took a job in Boca Raton, Florida. And um, so uh, I was still playing a lot of baseball and golf. And then about when I was 14, 15, I decided just to play golf. I was actually, I'm 6'3 now, but at the time I was short and wasn't tall enough to play first base because I'm a lefty. So I'm either pitching or first base or the outfield. But, um, but I you started, play golf right-handed, right? I play golf yeah. right-handed. That yeah. was kind of weird. I was yeah. a left-handed pitcher, but a right-handed hitter. You see a lot of righties that bat lefty. My, my but, oldest son, that's what he did. And it, and it turns out basically baseball was getting me ready for golf because it's good to have a strong left side. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I remember um, watching Fred Couples tee off at the 1984 Honda Classic down at Eagle Trace, and um, I just remember him like stretching and teeing his ball up, leaning it forward, and then just you know ripped it. It just felt like it stayed in the air forever. And I remember being 14 or 15 at the time, and I was like, "That's it! I'm I'm going to be a professional golfer." <laughs> and uh, I had some great teaching when I was young, and of course in Florida, you know, you can play all year, all year long, so. Um, I remember a friend of ours, I remember we played, I think 81 straight days. We counted one time. So, um, those were young again. <laughs> yeah. Those were, um, those were great times. And my, both of my older brothers went to the university of Florida. And so I always wanted to play golf there. Unfortunately, I won some, uh, some, some big junior tournaments and was able to get a scholarship to the university of Florida and then was an all American there for three years and turned pro and, and then, you know, fortunately was able to play for 17 years and play all over the world and, and, uh, you know, play with Tiger Woods and all those guys. So it was, uh, it was fun. It was, I think I've been to 48 States. And of course my wife, um, you know, again, now is doing design work, but, um, she knew the golf business. My father-in-law is Doug Tool, local professional oh, yeah. here. And so, um, that's how we kept, got back to Oklahoma, but she lived the life growing up all those years. And so, it was really fun for her because when we were traveling, she knew every place and she would actually go into the, um, into the, uh, places where they would, you know, the nursery and they're like, Hey, I'm Christine tool. I was here, you know, 25 years. She's like, Oh my gosh. So <laughs> it was really fun. And it was great for, for me because I knew I had somebody in my corner that knew the life. Oh and, yeah. And so it yeah. was, um, it was really exciting. We you know, used to travel in a van all those years on the Nike tour and then the PJ tour, and we played for four years, so it was it was a lot of fun and it was exciting. But I had a pretty serious neck injury and surgery years ago that kind of slowed down my speed. I couldn't hit it as far, and uh, and so eventually that kind of got me thinking about what I was going to do next. And I always wanted to get into real estate. I said that I had said that for a long time. If I ever stopped playing golf, I wanted to do real estate, and fortunately, uh, it's worked out. Well. You were at Gallardia, correct, as yes. the head pro? Yes. And it, I was curious because the difference between Gallardia and Nichols Hills, you know, they're both very nice areas in our in our city. I'm curious that you didn't stick in Gallardia and you went to Nichols Hills. Was there a decision well, there? Well, when I first moved here, um, we moved straight to Nichols Hills. Right. And uh, bought an older house that we fixed up on Elmhurst. And, um, and so then I was uh, teaching uh, at Gallardia. Um, but we always were, you know, I knew Nichols Hills better. Um, and I was actually the touring pro at Gallardia when we first moved here. So okay. I was still traveling. Um, but yes, Gallardia is a great place. And uh, I had a lot of good times out there. Um, 
But uh, yeah, Nichols Hills was really where we called home when yeah. we got here. It's a beautiful area. I'm curious what lessons you learned playing professional golf that may have prepared you for real estate. Well, that's a great mm-hmm. question and um, one I, I'd love to answer. And so, you know, real estate is, um, well, it's, it's a different thing. Golf is more selfish. Like you're out there working hard and it's really you and, and your caddy, so to speak. But um, it's a very similar business because in golf, obviously there's the top players that are in the top 10 every every year but or every week. But, um, you know, it's it's a slower process. I mean, you everybody, when somebody wins a tournament, they think it's overnight and it's, you know, a process of a long time. And so real estate is very similar. You know, it's a, it's a process of, you know, listing the house and, and showing the house and going through the inspections and the details and then getting the closing and, and then, um, you know, so there's a process and sometimes you go a couple months and may not make as much. And sometimes you have, you know, a number of closings in a row. And so it's actually very similar to golf in the, you know, in the pay structure, uh, yeah. so to speak. So, um, but, you know, when you play professional golf, it's the, you know, the PJ tour is obviously the highest level of, of that sport. And so the competition is so fierce that you have to out train people and, and to get there. And so, you know, I've taken that work ethic and, and, um, you know, sometimes things are, are slow in the business, but you can always find ways to, you know, to, uh, to do things that can enhance the listing. Um, you know, make sure it's in good shape, make sure it's looking out, make sure you're checking on it, you know, so there's a lot of things that you can do that, um, you know, aside from just showing in the house and listing the house that, that can help. And then, um, you know, being able to, um, you know, I've always loved to help others, but even when I played in pro-ams, I would always pick somebody out to try to help them with their game. And so, you know, helping people, you know, problem solve and getting them into the right uh, property is, uh, is exciting and similar to a golf. I mean, you're trying to, basically every shot is you're trying to problem solve. So, um, and also patience, of course, you know, um, uh, you know, you learn that through golf quite a bit <laughs> and, uh, and real estate is, a, like I said, is a slower process. And so you have to be patient sometimes and, uh, you know, find the right, find the right property in the right house. And, um, and so, so those things are, are actually very closely uh, intertwined. I have, I have a couple of questions regarding to both golf and real estate. Did you ever have somebody that you would consider a mentor in golf that helped you along the way that you could rely on? And in the same in real estate, did you ever find somebody that could be that person for you here? That's a great question. Golf's an easy one. Uh, and I've had a number of, you know, when I was a young, uh, young player, uh, there was a, um, my, one of my best friends, his dad was my, my coach. His name is Mr. Rick. And so he was very influential in my life, in my teens and my, you know, really throughout my whole career. He was somebody that would play the stock market while we were in school. And then he was a good player himself. He qualified for the U S open. And so oh, wow. he would walk nine holes with us every day after school. And he actually would pick me up in my, before I could drive, he would pick me up in my driveway and he and he and his son, he and I would play every day. And sometimes we'd play against older amateurs that, you know, would play with us in the afternoons, but we played every single day and he would walk with us and show us shots and, and not just on the lesson tee, it was, you know, about things on the golf course, shot making. And so he was a big influence on me. And then, um, my father-in-law, of course, you know, Doug played for so many years on the tour. And so, um, 
he was a great mental coach as I got into my career and, you know, and playing on the tour and he knew all the courses. And so, you know, if I had a rough day, I could call him and he would lift me up or give me some wise advice because, you know, he had been through it himself and, you know, everybody thinks that everybody's perfect out there, but guys are making mistakes. And so he's like, Hey, I'm, I made that mistake and, you know, I, this is how I fixed it. And, you know, so we would obviously try to not to make, make the same mistake twice. Um, so he was very influential. Um, from a real estate standpoint, um, you know, this is going to sound funny, but quite frankly, my wife is, is amazing. And so she is not only an interior designer, she is a home designer and designs a lot of elevations. Um, and so I've actually learned quite a bit from her. Um, and uh, she was always involved in it and excited about it when I was playing all those years. And so um, I've actually learned a lot from her from a design standpoint and, um, and floor plans. And, and those are actually things that really translate to helping clients um, because, um, you know, I, I happen to, because I'm married to one, I happen to know a lot about interior design and floor <laughs> plans and things. And so it really, it really does help. Um, and, uh, you know, now I'm my own broker. So I kind of, you know, some things I have to learn on the fly and there's some other people that kind of helped me. Rhonda Bratton's a really good friend. And so we talked to her a lot. Um, she's very smart and we love her and Robbie. And so they've also, um, you know, helped us quite a bit. Excellent. You know, one of the things that uh, people have told us about real estate is uh, is you need to be able to not overreact to a setback. And I would think that that would apply in golf as well. Has that been your experience that that you need to be able to not overreact when things something comes up? Yes, of course. Um, and sometimes the business can be tough. Um, and so, yeah, you. I think the mindset is it's always the client first, you know, you're not as important. And so I think if things work out for the client, even if you may not be involved in that, um, then that's what's most important. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, you know, in golf, uh, you know, it is obviously a tough mental sport. And so I worked a lot with sports psychologists because, you know, um, it takes time and it takes work. Um, and so when I was young, just like every other young up and comer, I had a, I had an attitude and a, and a, and I would get mad a lot and it would affect my game in a negative way. And so, after really learning, um, you know, a lot about the mental game, there's a word called volition, which um, Dr. David Cook helped me um, with. But that means the will to choose. And so, you don't have to react negatively to a three putt or a bad shot. You have a choice on how you're going to act and how you're going to play the next shot. And so, when you realize that then you actually make decisions before you even go to play. Like no matter what happens, I'm going to be ready to play every shot. And so, um, you know, the same can be said for real estate, you know, no matter what happens, we're going to, we're going to plow ahead and make sure, you know, we do the best we can and be ready uh, and not overact to certain situations. Um, and then really, you know, if you face something, you just face it head on and, and uh, try to solve the problem for um, for everyone involved. Well, I've played with you just a handful of times, and I can promise you, Ken, he's not the one getting upset. <laughs> 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 yeah, you are very level-headed on the cor- on the golf course, and even more so in life. So, whatever he he did with you, it really did work, and and you've adopted that into your life, and it's really amazing. Um, Thank you. 
going through the PGA, did you ever have somebody that you gra- gravitated to, somebody you kind of favored? You have like, you know, favorite friends or good friends that you, you built along the way? Yeah, I mean, uh, Ben Crane and Jonathan Bird are some guys now. I mean, they were always younger than me, but now they're, gosh, they're in their 40s. We're all getting old. But yeah, those were guys I played with on uh, you know, the Nike Tour in 2001. And uh, I happened to win three tournaments on that. Now it's called the Corn Ferry. But that got me back on the PGA Tour. And those guys were younger guys playing that tour. And we got to be really close. Um, also through our, um, you know, our PGA Tour Bible study, we used to go on Tuesday nights, sometimes Wednesday nights, and have that and that and we drew close to those guys um but yeah we were we were like brothers out there and so um and and that's important too because that's a concept that you know that also works in real estate although some of us are competing against each other we're also you know working together a lot and so um you know that's something that uh you know the you know again the pga tour you're um you're competing against other guys but um, but at the same time, it's your friends you yeah, know, after the round. Yeah, at so, the same time, yeah. Um, you know, there's a natural competition amongst, you know, agents and brokers. But at the same time, you know, you know, we're all working as hard as we can to do the best for our clients. So it's important to, you know, be able to work with, um, you know, brokers and agents in all the transactions. You've talked a little bit about the focus that you have on what's important with your client but uh, but it sounds like you've got some values and and kind of a philosophy of how you think your business ought to be run. Elaborate on that a little bit. Well, that's a great question, and um, you know everybody talks about the golden rule, and obviously the golden rule you know came from Jesus Himself, and and that's where my faith lies. And so um, I want to give credit to Him because that's uh, really the things that changed my life years ago. And, and, um, you know, we say that a lot, but we just think it's a, you know, we're not sure where it came from sometimes. And, uh, and so, um, you know, I like to walk in the truth. And, um, and so, you know, I tell my kids even, you know, if you get straight A's and tell the truth at our house, life is good. And so, um, (laughs) you know, I, I, you know, try to, you know, tell the truth and be honest and, um, you know, that's a big part of real estate too, you know? Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, work hard, be honest and really be an expert in, in your area and what you're doing. Um, and of course, you know, I played golf really 17 years professionally, but before that, even another 10 years, so almost 30 years. And so, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of still getting started in real estate, even though it's been, um, you know, really fruitful and, and been going well. I mean, I've, probably, you know, seven, eight years yeah. uh, in real estate. And, um, but the exciting too, is that I also like to do, you know, investing in development. Um, we've got a great development just off, just around the corner from Oklahoma city golf and country club on country club drive. And so we bought some lots years ago. Um, and so now we're building new construction homes. And so I've also been doing a lot of development, um, as well as, as obviously listing and selling. So that's been really exciting as well. That's that's just amazing. You're running the whole gambit. <laughs> well, it's really that was a kind of a miracle and just a blessing. And we, you know, five years ago, I had the idea to start buying some lots there, and um, got great business partners, and it's been going really, really well. And I'm and assuming so, that your wife has got some input on how oh, to design those. And, yeah, I mean, the hard them. part is was getting them all in a row. We've yeah. got 16 into 18 of them now, and so, yeah, but yeah, now it's it's uh, you know her designing them and. 
And, um, you know, there's a lot of work to obviously build a spec house. The line item on the spec house is, you know, a, a lot, of, there's a lot of detail. So she's great. And, um, you know, we work together with a team. We do a lot of work with our builder, Corbin Roberts. And um, so we're excited about that project. And then, like I said, you know, being so involved in that helps me with my clients. Um, because I, like I said, I'm, I'm learning and I have more and more that I learn about um, from the construction side that can really help as, uh, as we go through the process with my clients. You haven't been in the real estate business that long, but if you had a chance to go back to yourself when you were getting in, what advice would the, would the you of now give to the you, you when you were first getting into real estate? What do you know now that you wish you'd known when you came in? Oh, that's a great question um, and maybe a, a tough one um, because I think my morals are the same, but, um, you know, I'm 51 and so I really kind of miss the social media, you know, uh, chip. So I, I probably would say if I did more of that in the beginning, that would probably be helpful. But at the same time, you know, you know, I do have other agents that work in other areas, just a, just a few, but you know, I work very closely in Nichols Hills. And so it's a, it's a kind of a close knit group. So, um, I'm probably a little different than, than other, other brokers trying to get so much word out to the whole, the whole other area because, um, you know, Nichols Hills is kind of a niche and smaller area, but at the same time, very complicated because things are different from block to block. And so to have a, you know, an understanding of that, you know, really helps when we, um, you know, we look at the house in the neighborhood. Yeah, just knowledge of the neighborhood and the, the properties, yeah, because they're all unique yeah. there. Yeah. So you you were at another agency for a while. You started Nichols Hills Property, was it three years ago, two years ago? Three or four, yeah, I think so 17. So tell me what your vision is over the next five years for Nichols Hills Properties. It's a good question. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, do my website, and um, but just to... Uh, you know, keep growing and learning the neighborhood. And, um, yeah, obviously you want to help people sell and buy in the neighborhood. Um, and, uh, and then as I move forward in, in the years to come, um, you know, I, I obviously play golf for a long time and, you know, now that I'm in real estate, I'd like to combine those at some point and be involved maybe in the golf course development. Um, you know, whether it's an existing course, um, and, you know, take a course that's maybe 36 holes or 27 holes and, you know, bring it back to 18 and, you know, maybe change the real estate component around a little bit. But um, that's something, you know, probably in my, you know, later years, maybe my 60s or maybe late 50s. But for now, you know, we love being uh, involved in Nichols Hills and um, and work in that area. But, uh, you know, I may expand, you know, with some more, um, you know, agents in some other areas of the of the, of the Metro. Um, I've got a couple of DBA names, country club properties. And so we may do some more work in some other country clubs going in the future. Obviously that's a natural fit for me. Um, but, um, but, uh, yeah, just, just grow, uh, the business each year and, um, you know, be more knowledgeable of all the other aspects. And of course, experience is you know, is, is the best, is the best teacher. Um, but I'm fortunate that, uh, we are in such a great area and, um, and then, you know, again, it's not just listing and, and selling that there's investing and, right. and, many, um, many and development. And so there's a lot of opportunity in the business. And, um, 
Yeah, I, re- I really enjoy it. It's really exciting. And, um, you know, it's really exciting uh, just to try to figure out what might be the next, you know, thing that could work. And then also it's exciting, you know, helping clients really, you know, a house is a really big deal, you know, in somebody's life. And so um, it's an important element. And, um, you know, I really get excited when um, you know, we find that perfect property for someone. I'm dying to ask you, you, you can bring us an interesting perspective. Having lived in Boston, Boca Raton, and Oklahoma City, how do they compare? I've been, I've been to Boston and I've been to Boca Raton, but I'm biased. I, I live here and essentially grew up here. But uh, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. Well, that's a fascinating <laughs> question. And, um, you know, the funny thing is I, I lived in Boca Raton for basically 25 years. And so when I was playing on tour, you know, it was always Pat Bates from Boca Raton, Florida. When we moved here in 05, obviously this became home. And so it was like Pat Bates from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And it took a while to get used to that. <laughs> um, but uh, I grew up in Boston, you know, till I was 11. Um in a, in a real small town, town northeast of Boston, where everybody knew everyone, um, and I can't really tell. I say I had a really, um, you know, idea of what people were like back then because it was just such a small town. Um, but moving to Florida was, you know, an eye opener because uh, you know, again, we were such a small town, and, and I went to a really small elementary school, maybe forty kids in my grade, and then going to Florida. Um, to a big middle school that had 600. And so um, I remember, uh, you know, trying out for the baseball team and there was like 50 guys trying out. And, and uh, so it was much more competitive, but, um, uh, but it was exciting at the same time, but Florida, um, it was kind of interesting because Florida is very transcendent. You know, a lot of people are coming and going, snowbirds are going back up North and coming back down. So um, there's not as much of a sense of community in Florida, I would say, um, because everybody's coming and going. Um, and then that's really the big difference between the Northeast, a little bit different. It's been around for 400 years, you know? So the funny, the house that we grew up, um, in, in the seventies and early eighties, um, we haven't lived there for 30 years, but when people drive by the house, like, Oh, that's the Bates house. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a, you know, we have a nice legacy up in Manchester by the sea. Um, so we, I love going up there in the summers. It's beautiful. Uh, and we go to Red Sox games every year, try to. Um, but but moving here to Oklahoma, obviously we don't have the ocean or the beach, and so it's not quite as pretty. But, um, you know, the people are great um, and, and nice, and there's a big sense of community and heritage here with, you know, family. You know, people have been here for quite some time. Um, and so... Um, obviously, there's more and more people moving into Oklahoma, um, but my wife's, you know, from here and been here for a long time. And so, um, but really the sense of community here is really great and we love it. And, you know, you can always go visit places that are pretty, but when you come back, it's nice to be in Oklahoma with a, with a great, um, you know, a great place for families. Are you a reader? Not as much. And not um, a book that stands out that you've read in the past that you maybe refer back to other than the good book? Um, I'm really not much of a reader, but I, my, my, my best friend in Florida is, a, you know, has his own business and he told me to read good to great years ago. And so I read that. And so, you know, prior to this uh, conversation, we were talking about, you know, the genius of and, and so there's some things in that book that, you know, have rang true. And, and again, 
like we're talking about with golf and real estate, there's so many things that, that, um, you know, are applicable, you know, when you, when you play at something at a high level or compete at something at a high level, there's, there's things there that, that, um, you know, again, learning patience and understanding and controlling your emotions, you know, goes across, you know, all business avenues and, and, and sports. And so, um, yeah, that book, um, I would say is probably one that I've read that made the most impact on me. Is there anything that we haven't asked that you think people should know about you? Boy, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I don't think so. We talked about my faith and, um, you know, um, I, I don't know that there's, uh, as much, I guess maybe the, 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 the big thing is that, um, you know, regarding my faith, I had a really serious neck injury in 1999, about halfway through my career. Um, and so I had to have neck surgery in 1999 and I had C5 and C6 fused. So they'd take your disc out and, and, uh, replace it with a bone bank. Well, during the surgery, um, my spinal cord got damaged. And so when I woke up, I couldn't walk um, or move my left hand. And so... Oof, I bet that um, was scary. Yeah, it was. And actually, God had kind of prepared me because the, the prior years, I was always wanting to get on the PJ Tour, and I was still on the Nike Tour at the time for like three years in a row. And while I was sitting in bed, couldn't move. I was like, well, I guess my professional golf career is over, so I might have to find something else to do. Um, well, Lord willing, I was able to get strong enough I mean, to this day, I can't really move my hand very well, and so I have a lot of um, a lot of uh, coordination issues on my left side, and my right leg is still numb to this day. So, my second career started basically in 2000, and when I was younger, I could hit the ball really far. Um, the second time around, um, with my limitations, with after my injury, I could only hit it about 260, 270, and so I had to basically relearn the game again and become the guy who hits it really straight. And that's where my father-in-law came in a lot. He helped me a lot because he was always a really straight hitter. And so I learned to be the guy that hit it straight and made the least amount of mistakes. And of course I was always a good putter. So that helped a lot. Um, but I, I think the most thing I'm proud of in the, the fact in my golf career is that although I you know wasn't a big name and didn't win a lot of tournaments, I overcame a really serious issue physically and was able to take the strength from the Lord and just try to be the best I could be. And I finished 123 on the money list two years in a row. And uh, <laughs> although that doesn't sound too exciting, it was good enough to stay exempt. And, um, you know, I, I basically got the most out of my game that I could have gotten, you know, with my limitations mm -hmm. um, physically. And so that's where also sports psychology came in because I had to, you know, be able to just, play my game and not worry about the rest of the guys and get the most and be as efficient as possible um, with my, with my game. And then ultimately, you know, I play with Tiger Woods in the 2004 Buick open. And um, I was joking. Uh, obviously, you know, he could hit, he can hit the ball pretty far, ball, especially man. back then. So we were on one of the long drive holes and uh, I was joking. I'm like, Hey, Tiger long drive for 50 cents. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Um, you know, the, it was on the 16th tee, I think. And so a bunch of the crowd heard me say that. And so, you know, I hit my little 275 and he bombed it out there about 350 or something. <laughs> so we got done with the round and I was practicing my putting and, um, 
one of the spectators came up to me and said, hey, I heard you, uh, I was there when you challenged Tiger to a long drive. I was like, oh yeah, I was just joking. He's like, well, just so you know, he hit it 69 yards by you. <laughs> Thanks for that. So, yeah, so, and and now Dustin Johnson hits it, you know, maybe 10 or 20 by him. So it just became a power thing, really. You know, every year I was playing on tour, there's a new tee box, you know, 40 yards back. And so, you know, I always joked that if the courses were getting shorter every year, I would have still played been playing golf for a long professional golf for a long time but they were getting longer so basically this game just kind of passed me by so to speak and where I pretty much got as much out of my game as I could have and um, I think the only real regret not that it's a regret but I wasn't able to put my physical you know power and athletic ability together with kind of what I learned after the surgery because right. um, I never really had a prime so to speak right. but right. at the same time you know I am um, Everything happens for a reason, and um, you know I, I did the best with what I had, and um, and so even though you know you won't be reading much about me or my career, I, I know that um, you know I I um, basically got back onto the PGA Tour at about seventy percent, and there's a lot of guys that don't ever get there at a hundred percent. So um, there's some of us that can't <laughs> break eighty, no matter what we do. So uh, so anyway, I. I I don't play a lot of golf that much anymore, and that surprises a lot of people. Um, I might try to qualify for the U.S. Senior Open next year, and I'm 50, oh, which I, I can't even believe I'm 50, but anyway, 51. But um, but I kind of like maxed out my golf, golf. You know, I did the best I could, and so it's kind of easy to, easier to walk away. Um, and again, it's not my profession anymore, so you know, I'm working as hard as I can in the real estate business, and so that doesn't leave a lot of time to go play for five hours. Although I do have a great group of guys that I like to play with at Oklahoma city on Friday afternoons. So, um, my cousin Jordan cook got me out on the course this uh, last spring and, and, uh, I actually lost the match early in the spring. And so that got me playing more and more cause I didn't <laughs> like that too much. Um, Those but, competitive juices, yeah, huh? but, uh, but it's, it's, it's for fun now. Um, although I might play a little bit more next spring and, and maybe, uh, maybe try for the US Open. I know somebody that might try to recruit you a couple times a year. I mean, yeah, I, I joke that I don't play on Sundays anymore. I play on Mondays because everybody <laughs> asks me to play in the Monday the Monday charity events. Well, it sounds like it was meant to be. <laughs> Any impressions of Tiger when you played with him that, that kind of st stuck with you? Well, I mean, you know, everybody talks about how far he hits it. And, you know, of course, the reason Tiger, and I've been fortunate to be able to play with Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods, Wow. Um, over the years and uh you know they're obviously they always discuss who's the best and um you know nicholas has more majors and he's amazing but there was a point in tiger's career that he was about the best at every skill and when you look at all the different skills um you know putting and short game and distance and even accuracy in 2000 he was up there in greens and regulation so there was really um not a skill that he hadn't mastered and so that's why I would put him as the best ever. Uh, you know, Nicholas, again, it's hard to say he isn't because he's won so many majors too, and he always put himself in position. But, um, you know, Jack, you know, never had a top uh, short game, and he didn't need it to be because he was so good off the tee and such so good putting. But Tiger had an, you know, all-around game that was amazing. And when I played with him, he was changing his swing that year, so he wasn't really on his game, you know, you know, tee to green as much. But I mean, the first hole he hit it in the greenside bunker on a par five and had like a fifty yard bunker shot, which we all know is really hard, and he hit like three feet, made birdie. <laughs> the next hole, 
hit in the left rough, then he hit it right, chipped up, made a 10-footer. Next hole, he parred. Next hole, he hit it right rough, over the green, chipped in. So he's <laughs> two under par, and he's only hit a couple good shots. Well, from there on in, he played really well and ended up shooting 66. But he beat the average tour player just around the greens by two or three shots in wow. the first four holes. Yeah. And so when you add that up, that's why – people would get so mad when he would say he would win with his C game <laughs> because everybody, you know, before him felt like they had to have their A game to win. Um, and so he could win in so many different ways, you know, short game, long game, you know, par fives. And so that's why he's been able to win so many because he was just such an all around. And I don't know that anybody ever worked harder than he did and studied the game from a very young age. But, um, and uh, you know, he obviously went through a lot but I always told my kids, I said, if he's healthy, he'll win again. And sure enough, he won the Masters. Well, I know from the, the real estate side, you know, from we get that perspective of the very end. And your customers love you. Uh, our ladies, they rave about you in the office. It's, it's always fun to hear when the name Pat Bates gets brought up. It, it's like a light bulb, you know. They're like, <laughs> oh, we love Pat so much. He's such a good person. And I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier just about how you treat life and, and it kind of correlates back to your game and, but what you're doing, Pat, you know, from us, you're doing it right. And we appreciate it. You know, you've, you've been a great customer. I consider you a good friend and, you know, thank you for giving us the time today. It's, it's been a pleasure to kind of get to know who Pat Bates is behind the <laughs> scenes and, and what really makes him, you know? Well, thank you. And, and, um, I must say the reason I was excited about Chicago title from the very beginning, I was at, you know, maybe five or six years ago, I was at a real estate course and you came and sponsored the lunch. And it wasn't just about helping people with their title work, which obviously anybody can do. It was about helping, you know, the broker as well and, and the agent and helping how they could grow their business. And that was really, um, you know, something that made a big impact on me. Um, and so I thank you for that. And, um, you know, when you, when you have somebody that's, you know, interested in, in helping, you know, the agents, then that's something where you're attracted to. And so yeah, I, mean, I was, uh, I was, that's again, got me involved. I've always looked at our, our side of things is, you know, and, and Ken has said something that I'll never forget. It's if you don't sell it, we can't close it. And, you know, any vendor, you know, the lender, the appraiser, the whoever it is, if they're not looking back at you as an asset to their business and they're, they're not looking at it as they've got to take a standpoint of being vested in your success and, and actually take those steps where you feel in your heart, man, that person or that entity, that company, they did something that helped me. And that's what it's all about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the term added approach or added value gets thrown around so much. I sometimes think it gets diluted and the action doesn't actually come through. And, you know, as, as something that I teach the sales reps that work here and our escrow people adopt the same mentality is they've got to take those extra steps that leave an impression that we are vested in your success. And, and it puts us in a position to, to humbly and, and so easily ask for the next order or, you know, a commitment to the business, whatever it may be. But it makes... You know, it typically makes people like yourself say, hey, I appreciate that, Yeah, and I'll be back. And I got to give a shout out to Caitlin Howard, of course, yeah. who uh, who's amazing. And, uh, you know, 
she does such a great job. I know she's having a baby here anytime soon, but um, this month, yeah, it's very First exciting. Um, but I mean, also it's the service too. I mean, if sometimes she'll come in there at seven o'clock and and do a closing for us. Um, so it's uh, you know, she's available, and um, it's a, it's just a it's a pleasure to be with you guys. By the way, you have you have both have great voices for radio. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we usually wrap up uh, by asking a question that you may have already answered, uh, and that is, uh, what is it you look for in a title company? What what helps you to make your decision about where to close? Well, I mean, we're after the fact now because you guys have done such a good job, you know, the, the past few years. Um, you know, again, I, I told you what attracted me, but then it's the service and it's the work that you guys do to help us get things closed in a timely manner. And sometimes we're, you know, some of these country club houses we bought in two weeks, you guys will get the title work done and, and get it done. So it's, it's really, um, you know, whatever we ask for, you guys, you guys get it done. And, um, and then now the relationship is there where it's just a, it's a no brainer, you know? And um, so, um, you know, we just appreciate you guys. And of course, you know, there's a Nichols Hills offices right here. So that, um, that makes it easy as well. Pat, Thank you so much for your time. Uh, I look forward to listening to this when we air it. It's uh, it's going to be a good one. I, I know people are interested interested to hear uh, who you are behind the scenes. But thank you for your time. And everybody, remember, it really does make a difference where you close. <laughs> <laughs>